Well, I, when I came in early this morning, the air conditioner wasn't working. And, and I thought, well, that would be a really good illustration, whether it's hot or cold. But uh, given that you guys really ate your Wheaties, I'm glad the air conditioner was working because it, uh, it was hot. There was steam coming from up here. I, I hope uh, as uh, you uh, went through the week, if you had were here last week or uh, had opportunity to get the, the overview of uh, Philippians. Oh, and there's, uh, I just saw Greg Fisher. He was the guy that got the air conditioner working. Thanks, Greg. We're all, we're all thankful. But uh, as, as we've uh, started this series with Philippians, looking at joy at every turn, and given to you uh, this set of uh, the passages that we'll be looking at for the next several weeks, and one particular passage that we can try to have as our, our memory verse, in a sense, for the week, a, a passage that uh, will uh, sort of stay with us during the week. And I, I'm gonna, I'll share a little bit more, but first I want us just to remember that uh, passage together of Philippians 1, 6. Um, it'll also be on the screen. I'm sure we've all memorized it and we don't need it, but just for a little help and for those guests that weren't here last week, we'll, uh, we'll have it. But Philippians 1, 6. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Throughout the week, that passage would come to mind. And, and different phrases would have their impact. You know, I mean, for sometimes, it, sometimes it would be that, you know, that when things are looking dire, it's like, this is what Paul was confident of. You know, even though I've, as I considered and came face to face with my own sin, I remembered, no, Paul was confident of this, that God is greater than even my sin or, or yours. And other times it would just be reminding me I'm a construction project. You know, I'm under construction and God is at work in me. And the fact that I, I fail and that I, I learn and that I grow and that I confess is really a sign that God's still working. You know, the, the, the sin and failure isn't a sign that God isn't working, but the lack of confession is. And it hit me particularly on Thursday, both this passage and the passage we look ahead to. Because um, it was Thursday morning, usually the day that I take off. And I was off. I was at home and spent one, two hours in the basement joyously fighting with the computer and the printer and the computer program that was losing data. The problem was this was the program in which we keep our family finances on and we need every data we can get there. And so then I, I think we got it worked out and come upstairs to get the mail. I don't know, you know, it's such a bad morning downstairs, maybe the mail will bring good news. And so I stomp upstairs, walk to the, the, the mail at the front door, and as I'm walking, look up at the ceiling and notice the paint is peeling and there's like brown water spots up there. So then I just ignore it. Maybe it'll go away if I go get the mail and come back inside and it was still there. And I look at the mail, you know, most of the stuff uh, for other, others of you that are in this place from the college and, yeah, they want that money that I think I still found downstairs. And so I put that to the side. And then, oh, sort of nondescript and look at that. Or actually, I gave it to my wife, and she opened it and said, here, you can have it. 
And it was a collection agency for a bill from a medical center here in town from events that happened over a year and a half, two years ago, and the bill was over $1,100. So, yes, I wish that was my call. Oh, Jesus, help me. But it wasn't. My call was, what's the customer service number? And I run there and I go and call them and find out, you know, what incompetence this is and yada, yada, yada. And as I'm talking to the third person that I'm talking to and my wife walks in the room and I sort of see her and she looks at me like, and you're a minister kind of look. She didn't say that. That was the look that I, you know, sort of received and then realized in the middle of my pursuit of justice God's at work in you. And just how patient and kind and loving are you? Granted, it might be a faithless, uh, faith, faith, face, faceless individual to you, which somehow makes them less than human, you know. I don't know what it is about the phone. I said, but no, she is a human being. And she's just doing her job. How patient and kind and loving are you to her? i got to wonder what the woman thought on the other end of the phone because after like a, a moment, it was like a different person. Maybe she thought that I gave the phone to somebody else, but it, it was the same person. And, and what a, just a great opportunity. So it's one of those things, again, where... Yeah, this passage was for me. So I hope you all enjoyed it this week too. But really encountered me. And I hope and pray as we go through this series, looking at how Paul experienced joy at every turn, even at a morning that every step was one step forward and two steps backwards. Pray for us that we will with Paul be formed in such a way that we do find joy at every turn. Our passage this morning continues to to teach us about joy at every turn. It's uh, Philippians chapter 1, starting with verse 12 through 18. It's uh, 953 in your pew Bible, or it'll be on the screen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, Thank you for your written word that speaks to us of truth, that leads us to life and in Christ and to experience the joy of your people no matter what. Uh, teach us and lead us. Open our ears and our hearts that we might hear from you. Um, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, Philippians chapter 1, starting with verse 12. Hear the word of the Lord. I want you to know, beloved that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. These proclaim Christ out of love, knowing that I've been put here for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending to increase my suffering and my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, 
whether out of false motives or true. And in that, I rejoice. So here's where we find out that Paul, as he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, that he's in prison. And we get an idea that maybe he's been in, this, this may be the time that he's imprisoned in Rome. And if you read the very end of the books, uh, book of Acts, you'll see that Paul was imprisoned there for two years. And he had a, a month, uh, months of a journey to get there um, and appeared before King Agrippa and Festus and other dignitaries and political leaders of the day. And so now, what, what reason Paul's in jail is because these religious leaders and others, political leaders, were saying, we need to get this guy to be quiet. We need to stop him. And the best way to stop him from visiting these churches and starting to build this sect, this little group, this nuisance of a group called the, the followers, the, the way is what they called it then. Uh, and they knew that they were, had something to do with Jesus. But the way they could get this to stop would be to throw Paul in prison. Right? The best way to stop him from doing his stuff is to put him in chains, put him behind bars. And so that's what, what happened. We find that even in that kind of situation, even being in jail three years or so, Paul finds to be an occasion for joy. And the main reason is because he finds his joy in proclaiming the good news of Jesus. So any way that he can live out the good news of Jesus, that's where he finds his joy. That, that is the root of his joy. On earth, and prison walls, bars, and chains do not stop him from proclaiming that good news. What what ends up happening as he as you, you read the last bit of Acts, uh, the book of Acts, the book in the Bible, there you'll you'll see how Paul goes before Agrippa and Festus and all these others, and each time they ask him, you know, tell us your story, which then is a wide open entree for him to share his story of coming to Christ and encouraging them to do the same. And then when he gets in prison, the way prison worked in Rome in that day, it was sort of like house arrest, a little bit different. But what Paul did, he had a a room where he stayed. He had a a guard that would keep watch over him, one, maybe two. And they would change, you know, every shift change. And and then he would be fed by his friends in Rome. And, and so what would happen, the church, Christians who'd heard that he was there, they would bring him what he needed. And it was a little more open, but he still couldn't move beyond the, the place where he was forced to live. Well, you do that for two to three years, what happens? Guards come through, changing shift every, you know, eight hours a day. So over the course of two or three years, how many different guards came through? And what do you think Paul did? Played cards with them? Maybe. But while he's playing cards, he took every opportunity to, to do what brought him joy, to share the good news. He would tell them of his story of Jesus. And then the church leaders of Rome who would come as they came with Paul, as they came to bring him food, what would Paul do? He would encourage them. The guy that's in chains... The guy who may be going to be executed is the one encouraging and continuing to teach the church because his joy is found not in his physical circumstances. 
His joy is found not in his personal fame or achievement or accomplishments, as we'll see throughout. His joy is found in the furthering of God's kingdom. His joy is found in living and sharing the good news of Jesus, and nothing can stop him do that to do that, not even chains, not even prison bars or prison walls. And as Chaffee said with, with the story of Joseph, what they meant for evil, then God used for good. And he used that even to multiply the work that Paul was doing. So much so that Paul's journey, his journey as a prisoner from Jerusalem to Rome, we now call his third missionary journey. Because it was a way for him to safely travel under house arrest, protected by those who would want to kill them, kill him, all the way from Jerusalem to Rome. And God used that time to continue to take the gospel to other places that it hadn't been. What they meant for evil, God meant for good. You may have noticed, I'm not sure if it's in the paper today or not, I saw it on the internet this morning, a guy named Gary Reese. Some of you may have heard him speak before. He died. Gary Reese was the the first person that was freed from prison by the Ohio Innocence Project. Gary uh, is from Amelia, and, or, or he was living in Amelia most recently, but from the Cincinnati, southwest Ohio area. And 30 some odd years ago, he was convicted of a crime and sentenced to 50 years in prison. He spent 24 years in prison until the Ohio Innocence Project was able to secure his release because he was serving time for a crime he hadn't committed. But Gary applied, somewhat knowingly, somewhat unknowingly, the same truth that was true for Paul in his own life. His freedoms were were taken. He was secured in Ohio penitentiaries. But there... He grew in his relationship with Jesus. Prison can do that to you. The shock of that experience. He he dropped out of high school, so he got his GED. Then he went for his associates and then double majored for his bachelor's and then started a prison ministry while he was in jail for those 25 years, reaching out to the other prisoners around him, sharing the good news of Jesus. And in that work, refused to ever be bitter. But continued to be thankful that God was at work in him, even if he was in prison. And then when he was released from prison back in 2004, he then started a a ministry, blessed conviction, that he would go and share his story with churches and businesses, and then firm conviction, he would go back into the prisons. He would go into correctional institutions and reform schools to to share his story with others. I mean, the man had every right to be bitter for losing 25 years of his life, really half his life, most of his adult life. But he refused to because like Paul, he found his joy in the good news. He found his joy in the the possibility, the opportunity of being and sharing good news with others. 
throughout this series, one of the great questions for us to explore as God continues to construct us is what is the basis of your joy? What, what is that, the, the, the root cause of, of your joy? Is it in something that is eternal? You know, that, that's the, that for Paul to have his, his root, the root cause of his joy to be the good news of Jesus is something that never changes and can never be taken away. So his joy is complete no matter what. Is your joy found in a computer that works? <laughs> or a bathtub that isn't leaking? Or a collection agency that keeps good track of their bills? Or is your joy found in the good news of Jesus and the opportunity to share it with others? You know, what, we, what Paul says here is that not only is he able to share the good news with the guards and all these dignitaries, but he's also an encouragement to the church. You know, imagine, you know, here I am, I'm bringing this guy peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and he's encouraging me. And here he is in, in chains sharing the good news. How much more should I be bold and forthright in sharing the good news when I go back home? And when I go to work, if, if this guy's doing it while he's in jail. That, that's the experience I have when I go visit Jan Hyde. Some of you may know Jan. She's a longtime member here. She's unable to attend physically on, on Sunday mornings now. Unable physically really to, to get out of Landfair, the nursing home just across the street. She's just unable physically to get out. But <clears throat> we will today. We'll take communion over to Landfair. We'll take communion to her. And, she, and she'll tell us the stories. She'll tell us the stories of the individual who came to her who was hurting and in pain. And she sang them a song shared with him a scripture, said she'd pray for her. She's become sort of the unofficial chaplain of, of, of her cafeteria and of her floor at Landflare Home because Jan's rooted in the good news of Jesus. And physical limitations will not stop her from doing that. So every time, it's like I fight with people. I want to go take Jan communion today because I want to hear the stories of how she's sharing the good news because that will encourage and help me and remind me that my joy is found in the good news of Jesus. Not only then does Paul find the joy in that he's able to share the good news, that others are encouraged in sharing the good news, but he even finds it good news in the second part of the passage, those who are sharing the good news because he is in jail, taking advantage of the fact that he's in jail. And if you look at 15 through 18, he talks about those that are sharing out of good motives, but those who are sharing out of envy or jealousy, personal ambition. Impure motives. They're, they're sharing the good news of Jesus, but what they're probably what happened is, you know, that there are folks who are trying to work their way up even then, in the ecclesiastical ladder. You know, they're, they're, they want to be the one leading the church in those days, and to get Paul out of the way, to get him in jail, well, he gives them an opportunity to go forward, to, to take his place. And, and he finds out. 
Paul must find out as people are bringing him, you know, lunch and dinner and all. He finds out what's going on and what other people are saying about him out there. That Paul's in prison because he wasn't doing it the right way. Or he's in prison because it's time for him to, to decrease so that we can take over. What does Paul say to that? Because his joy is found in the good news of Jesus, that it's being proclaimed and shared. What does he say? Great! Let him go! What matters is that they're proclaiming the good news of Jesus, not how. Not that they're doing it the way I do it, or they're doing it... It's not. This isn't about me. This is about the good news of Jesus being lived and shared wherever it can go. And if people want to do it, they don't like me, great. I think about that in the, the, the fact that, that Paul was, had a kingdom mindset. He was willing to do whatever and wanted to do whatever would further the kingdom of God. The, the church with a big C. You know, and it's, it's, it's funny and humorous, and I wish it weren't the case in my own life, that I can get jealous of other ministers, have ambition for the other Churches can tear them down. It's common. Every city I've been in, you know, there's always one or two big churches, you know, mega churches that really sort of lead the way. And it's interesting how easy they get the pot shots from other people in the church. In our city, whether it's the vineyard or crossroads, it's easy to look at them and complain sometimes. Paul says, no, let, let, them, let them expand and multiply. Let them grow tenfold. We can die and they grow ten times the greatest. That's awesome because that's what we want because we're all about the kingdom. For us in our history too, you know, there are a couple churches that, that split away from here 20 years ago and it may be that some of us harbor ill will towards those churches. Don't. Paul would say, give that up, man. Let's hope those churches multiply. Let's hope they grow and have ministry all over the world because the point is the kingdom. That's where our joy is found, not in our own personal gain, not in our own selfish ambition. I have an interesting experience with another Presbyterian church in the city, Mount Auburn Presbyterian Church. Now, Mount Auburn Presbyterian Church, they have some different understandings of the Scripture when it comes to things like sexual morality. Now, they, they hold that homosexuality is, is just a viable alternative lifestyle. And they believe the Bible teaches that. And I get together with the minister there, Susan, regularly, and we argue about that. We, we argue that, I'll say, you know, I don't see how you see that the Bible teaches that. And she'll say, I think Jesus leads me there. And I'll say, well, this is how I think Jesus leads me. But you know, it's the key that we both proclaim Jesus. It's interesting in conversations with Reverend Brian. She, she will have difficulty in her church because there will be some people there who say, you know, you talk about Jesus too much. And she says, no, we are a church of Jesus Christ. We are not a church of what's happening now. We are a church of Jesus Christ. And in that, Susan and I can share in the ministry of Jesus. 
and we can affirm and uphold the, the successes and growth of, the, of both of those churches with a little c for the sake of the church with a big c, even though we disagree with each other directly on something that's very important, but second to Jesus. I think that's what Paul is saying. His joy is found in the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. And if we look around for a pure messenger, we'll be looking for a long time and doing no proclamation. What what is the basis of your joy? Is it found in the good news of Jesus and the possibility of sharing that good news with others? What is your joy dependent upon? Now, it is a great Sunday that we come and have communion. As we have communion, we also have healing stations. And what I encourage you as we come to communion, as we come to this time of of healing stations, that you, with the Spirit, explore what brings you joy. What is the basis of your joy? Are there things that imprison you, that rob you of your joy, that are are temporal, that are of this world, that are about selfish ambition? If you see those, then then give those up. Give those up. Ask God to bring that healing to free you from the things that can rob you of this eternal joy that is based in the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, as Chappie said in the beginning, isn't it crazy that we come to celebrate His death that we come say, here's his body, here's his blood. But we do that because we know that this represents the very essence of our faith, that where we find death, God can bring resurrection. That no matter what the circumstances, how hot, how cold, no matter if it's raining or if it's sun shining, God is good and his good news will not be defeated. And our joy is found in His good news. Our joy is found in the opportunity of sharing that good news with others and being that good news wherever He has us.